from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you as always every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. We had the discussion yesterday. We started the discussion yesterday about the Rams and the Patriots and the Patriots' legacy, Bill Belichick, as well as... Bob Kraft and Tom Brady and just what this team is and what this team has become and, and and essentially you know this this team in and of itself I mean they are they're a dynasty and whether you like the Patriots or not they're successful whether you like the Patriots or not they win games their system their system works they get the right guys in the system to fit the system and they do what they need to do you know they they look like they are better at doing this than everybody else because they kind of have been better at doing this than everybody else. So, you know, it it is one of those things where they are the team that everybody loves to hate, but at the same time, they're one of the best teams. You know, when you look at any sport across the board in this world, they're one of the best teams that you're ever going to see. And that's just the truth of the matter. That's facts. They're one of the best teams you will ever see in the grand scheme of things. So, you know, whether you like them or you don't like them, they are the Patriots. They are here to stay, and that's just how it is. I did put up a couple polls here on Facebook and Twitter. If you haven't liked the Facebook page, you can do that now while you're listening by going to at Wake Up Call DT. That's at Wake Up Call DT. And on Twitter, you can go to at Call DT. That's C A L L D T to follow me there and connect on with the show. I put up uh, two polls here, and I'm going to go to Facebook first. I put, is, is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time? 44% of you said no. 56, or pardon me, 44% of you said yes. 56% said no. So this poll is going to end at the end of the week. So make sure that you vote on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT. Is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time? 44% of you said yes. 56% of you said no. And then my other poll on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT is, is wide receiver Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer? 88% of you said no. 12% of you said yes. 88% of you said Julian Edelman is not a Hall of Famer. 12% of you said yes, he is. So right now, that is what's winning. Overwhelming majority does not believe that Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer, which I agree with. And it's not to take anything away from Julian Edelman. We'll have that conversation in a second. And with Tom Brady, is he the greatest quarterback of all time? No. He's the winningest quarterback in NFL history when it comes to Super Bowls, championships. But I don't think he's the greatest quarterback of all time. On Twitter, your votes are the other way. Is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time? 63% of you say yes. 37% of you say no. I asked if Julian Edelman was a Hall of Famer. This has been split back and forth. And right now, no is winning. This has actually been split down the line. It's gone either way. And on Twitter, is Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer? 52% of you said no. 5% of you, or pardon me, 48% of you said yes. 52 no, 
48 yes. So now on Twitter and Facebook, you do not believe that Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer, but it's a lot closer on Twitter. And then is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time? You don't think so on Facebook, but my Twitter followers, they think that he is. 63% of you think he is. So it'll be interesting here. Uh, we just had a, uh, a fan write in that they are, they're obviously very not fond of the, of the, <laughs> of the New England Patriots. So a very interesting scenario here as some of you love them and some of you don't. And Rob Drummond is with us right now. We're, we're talking about the Patriots. We're talking about their legacy and the NFL and whatnot. And, and Rob, there's a lot for us to get into. But as always, how are you doing today? <sighs> One of those mornings. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear you. I was like, I, I know that you're up. I know you're doing your thing. And, and, you know, when we called you to set you up for the show, I'm like, I'm like, where? Where'd Rob go? So it must have been one of those days to start it off. I, I let's just say I I, I have AAA, but my phone died, so I've been the last hour or so trying to change a flat coming back from the airport this morning. So not happy. <laughs> oh my goodness! So trying to change a flat tire coming back from the airport sounds like a great way to start off your morning. Ah, uh, you have no idea. Don't don't get Ah. <laughs> So we're happy. Well, we're happy to have you here, Rob. And and you know, and obviously, I always ask you how you're doing when we've when we've spoken a day ago. But you know, we're coming off of this Super Bowl, and there's a lot to conversate about here on the show today. So once again, we're here with Syracuse NFL and CFL alum Rob Drummond, a brother to me, one of my closest friends, and uh, very happy to have him here on the broadcast to start off the show. Rob, first and foremost. Let's go to the game, broad scope of it, 13-3, to Patriots win. It's one in the trenches. It's the offensive line. It's the defensive line. George O'Leary, former Syracuse assistant, and I spoke with him when he was the head coach at UCF, said, listen, if you don't build from the inside out, you'll never win a championship. That's how the Patriots did it this time around. What do you think about the most recent Super Bowl victory for the Patriots? Um, you really can't take anything away from um, Bill, Bill Belichick. I mean, one, one of the greatest minds, you know, to, to, to ever stand on the sideline, you know, uh, of, of any, you know, football game, whether it be collegiate or, or professional. You know, just just to be able to hold the second highest scores offense, you know, in, in the NFL or, or this past year, you know, to three points, you know, is it, 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 unbelievable. You know, you, you, you look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady, by Tom Brady's standards, did not have a great game. You know, and just to watch him go out there and just frustrate, you know, that 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 um that Los Angeles Rams defense, you know, had been had been shutting down the run, you know, the entire season, and you know, just be able to go out there and make plays, and then um then on defense, just be able to go out there and and stymie that explosive offense, you know. Bill Belichick did a great job of managing that game, you know, and you know, my hats off to him, you know. Yeah, you know, it was a tremendous game, and obviously, you know, the Patriots did what the Patriots do. I, I want to—I brought up these numbers on yesterday's show, and I want to speak with you about them. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and the Patriots have been to nine Super Bowls in 18 seasons. Nine Super Bowls in the last 18 seasons from 2001 to 2018. Nine times in 18 years. 50% of the time, they go to the greatest game in the history of football. On top of that, they've won six of them. So they go 50% of the time, and they win 67% of the Super Bowls they go to. Just what you could say about those numbers that obviously nobody else can touch. 
I mean, absolutely amazing. I mean, when people talk in, uh, in the realms of dynasty, you, you, you definitely you know have to put the Patriots in, in that category of being being one of the uh, most dominant teams, you know, uh, not, not in, in the Super Bowl era. You know, it, it's, it's just amazing for them to be able to go out there, you know, and in the AFC Championship, just just dominate the entire division, and then go out there and win the championship and get to the Super Bowl. A lot of people don't get to the Super Bowl one time much less nine times, you know, and it just, it's an amazing feat. And I will say one thing, uh, I'm not, I'm not absolutely positive on this, but I think my strength coach from Syracuse, uh, Mike Wilson, who's a strength coach for the New England Patriots, either has eight or nine Super Bowl rings because he was part of the Cowboys run when they had theirs, and he's been part of the Patriots now that they've had theirs. So I, I think it is five, six, seven, eight, eight or nine Super Bowl rings. So hats off to him. I actually have to find that out. See if you can find that out for me. <laughs> <laughs> and who is it again? It's Mike Wilsick. He's a strength coach. He was a strength coach with the Cowboys during their heyday, and he's a strength coach right now for the uh, New England Patriots. Mike Wilsick. Yeah, so we look back. We can look back at him because I know there was somebody else that Marvin Graves actually brought up that is on the the Patriots staff that actually recruited him to come. Ivan yeah, yeah, Ivan Fears and yeah, Ivan. Ivan, Ivan Fears recruited me also, and he's got he's got the rings too. Yes. So I, I, he was on that he was on that staff also, or he's on that staff also. So it's just kind of interesting how there's a lot of you know Syracuse connections to this this Patriots team and and have I mean Matt Patricia obviously and then Ivan Fears and then you know the from strength and conditioning that you brought up as well to have those connections with this team that has been so successful and to win as many rings as they have thoughts on Bill Belichick you know his bedside manner people aren't big fans of you know I always say that he's the doctor that if you go in for like a routine checkup and he walks in you think you have cancer because he always looks upset but you know what do you think about Bill Belichick you know he's he's the angry troll that guards the bridge but at the same time you know he finds a way to win he gets his point across to his team nobody may like him from the outside looking in but from the inside looking out they work with him so what are your thoughts on Bill Belichick I mean, a great mind for the game. You know, it's we we don't know, you know, if it's psychological or not. But he has a way of getting in the heads of other players and other coaches. You know, and and, and executing his game plan. He knows exactly what he's going to do well ahead of time before he's going to do it. You know, and that's one that's a, a great quality of great, of great coaches. Um, Bill Belichick is just you know a, a student of the game. He understands exiting owing. You know, and, and, and the psychology of the game so much so that I mean, he's light year beyond these other coaches. And eventually, somebody will catch up to him. But right now, he's just uh, the master of what he does. Absolutely. Speaking here with Rob Drummond, Syracuse NFL and CFL alum, here on the show this morning, I put up a, a couple polls, and, and I was reading them right before you came on to the show. And uh, one of them is: Is Tom Grady, uh, Tom Grady, Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time? And uh, on Facebook. The fans say no. On Twitter, the fans are saying yes right now in these votes. So it's kind of split back and forth. What do you think about this? Is Tom Brady the greatest NFL quarterback of all time? And if he's not, who is? Um, me, my gut, am I, am, am, am I, am I 51 years of, of, of football? I'd have to say he's up there, but he's not my greatest quarterback of all time. My greatest quarterback of all time would be Joe Montana. And the reason I say that is because back, you know, when I played, when Montana played, when Elway played, when Reno played, the rules were so much different. You can't even breathe on these quarterbacks hard now without, without getting a flag. And the defensive, you know, it's, a, it's an offensive-oriented game. You know, the defensive backs can't touch these guys. You know what? 
say, I mean, like these receivers now can run fly routes without without the fear of getting hit downfield. My gosh, when Ronnie Lott played, you know, uh, Andre Waters, you know, Wes Hopkins, you know, I can go on and on about the DBs that would lay guys out. So now receivers would, would, would be thinking twice about catching a pass that a quarterback threw down the field. But Montana and, uh, and, uh, and Elway and those guys had to put these passes in there knowing that these safeties would come up there and take their head off. Plus, they would have like guys like Lawrence Taylor who could come in and knock a guy on his behind and not get a 15-yard penalty. The game is just so much different now than it was than it was back when I played. You know, it, it's just it's it's more geared for offenses being successful, and that's why you see a lot of these quarterbacks putting up big numbers because you can't touch those guys. You know, those those guys are allowed to catch the ball. <laughs> you know, I mean, I get it, I understand they want to take the physicality out of the game, but it also helps the offense. It allows the guys to go up there and put up numbers against some of the greats from the past. Well, and it's it's just the strangeness of it all of you know what you can do, what you can't do. You know who you can hit, who you're not allowed to hit, how you're allowed to hit them. You know, and, and I spoke, I've spoke with Barry Church about it a couple seasons ago in the after the AFC Championship game when he knocked the ball out of Rob Gronkowski's hands, and they and they said that you know it was a personal foul, but he hit him with his shoulder, he didn't hit him with his head, and he said he said to me point clearly, it's Rob Gronkowski. What am I supposed to do? Am I not supposed to hit him with everything I got? Gronkowski is six foot five, two hundred seventy. I mean, I mean, what is he supposed to do? Let him catch it and score a touchdown? No, it's called separating a separated a receiver from the ball. I mean, it's a t- technique that DBs are taught. You know, when when a, when a guy making a play on the ball, and it's just the game has changed so much. I mean, granted, I get it, but geez, let these guys play. Take for instance, you know, the the, the one roughing the passer call on Tom Brady with the defensive defensive lineman just touched his shoulders. I'm like, come on, are you kidding me? I mean, it's just, it, it's geared toward offenses, you know, scoring a lot of points and doing well, you know, and that's that's why I can't sit here and grant it. I think Tom Brady is one of the greatest quarterbacks to play the game, but I just can't give him that edge because of that, because the game has changed so much, and it's a it's a powder puff league now. You know, and but when we look at arm, and, arm strength and, and whatnot, you know, we look at the fact that, you know, there are guys out there that have been asked to do, you know, all kinds of things. I mean, we look at John Elway, we look at Steve Young and Dan Marino and Troy Aikman and Joe Montana and, and Joe Namath and so on. It's so Joe Theismann. You know, we look at all of these quarterbacks that have been out there, what Randall Cunningham did, what Warren Moon did. So when we say Tom Brady and people want to say the GOAT, the greatest of all time, my question that comes up, I mean, it's kind of how he goes about it. You know, he, you know, when quarterbacks dink and dunk, when quarterbacks go for two-yard passes and five-yard passes and whatnot, you know, there's usually a critique on that. There's usually, oh, you know, it takes away from the game and it's not really his numbers, it's somebody else's numbers. But when it comes to Tom Brady, people overlook it seemingly more so than anybody else. I told you that James White this season had 751 yards receiving 665 were after the catch so Tom Brady not even responsible for a hundred yards that he's going to get on his stats 751 but he's not even responsible for a hundred of those yards that was James White catching the ball two yards away catching the ball at the line of scrimmage over the middle wherever he was within three to five yards potentially and then doing something with it so what do you think about this you know Tom Brady's numbers are ballooned because he has the historical Wes Welkers and the Julian Edelmans and the Chris Hogan's and the Rob Gronkowski's and the James Whitesons and so on people get critique for this he doesn't what are your thoughts on it because he seems to be a really really good short yardage quarterback 
who has players that are very skilled to get out into the open field. You know, he's a great system quarterback. You know, it's just as you said. You know, he just he's a, he's not throwing the ball downfield for deep bombs and plays like that. You know, like like Montana used to do with Rice. You know, used to do with John Taylor. You know, used to do used to do with uh, the White Clark. I mean, I can go the list could go on. You know, Roger Craig. You know, it's just. Tom Brady's a great system quarterback who's allowed to just pick his spots and pick one receiver who's having a hot day. Hence, Edelman the other day, you know, and just let him make his move, you know, catch the ball and then run, you know, yards after the catch. It's a huge stat now. Back then, they didn't even take that stat. They take that stat now for receivers getting yards after they catch the ball from the, from the point of uh, reception. You know, so it's just, I mean, I, I don't want to take away from his, his stardom and his fame because I do think he's one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever play the game. But you have to put it all in perspective when you look at the entire game it's in, you know, it's in its entirety. Speaking here with Rob Drummond, Syracuse, NFL, and CFL alum, we're speaking on uh, Super Bowl 53 and the legacy of the Patriots. And like you said, you don't want to take anything away from Tom Brady, but you know, it's just, it's, it's a lost, I mean, we just don't get to see it. Like, you know, and, and the thing is with Drew Brees, when Drew throws short yardage passes, when Drew doesn't go deep down the field, I hear people talk about it all season long. Drew's not what he used to be. He's only throwing short yardage passes. His completion rate's so high because he's only going short yardage. I don't hear people say that about Tom Brady. You know, so it's, it's again, it's a really, really good system. But here's a question, Rob, when it comes down to it. Jimmy Garoppolo was successful in the Patriots offense. Matt Castle was successful in the Patriots offense. Jacoby yeah. Brissett was successful in the Patriots offense. Yes. Matt Castle won 11 games in the Patriots offense. So, and again, I'm not trying to take anything away from Tom Brady. I'm just asking the question, if Tom Brady's not in this system, is he who he has been? No. Tom, Tom Brady couldn't go on any other team in the NFL and be the success story that he is today. A lot of that has to do with Belichick and the, and the system he runs. He just says Tom Brady's a system quarterback. And when we look at that and we see that, you know, we could potentially call him the greatest system quarterback that ever lived, but, you know, that's where the question comes up, and that's why I can't say the GOAT. That's why I can't say the greatest of all time because the reality of it all is you're a really, really good system quarterback. But like you said, and I agree with it, if you put him in another situation, what's he going to do? Yeah, I mean, he'd be, he'd be, he'd be, he'd still be a very, very talented quarterback. He'd still be very, very good, and so, so probably but would win some Super Bowls. But he wouldn't be the dominant player that he is today. Yeah, and and I agree with that wholeheartedly. So, where do we put him in the grand scheme of things? Then you know, we we he, he he's got six ring. He's got just as many rings as the Pittsburgh Steelers do historically. He's got one more than the Niners. He's got one more than the Cowboys. But, you know, when when we kind of go to the pecking order and whatnot, where do we put him in this? Do we say, you know, Tom, you know, you've done a good job, but you owe it to Belichick and Kraft and, and you know, the staff and whatnot? How do we kind of assess Brady when all is said and done? Because we know he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. We know that he's going to be revered. But where does he really stack up amongst all of this? Um, I, I mean, I, I, he, he's definitely in my top three. I mean, I'd say that, but as I said before, the, the, just just the, uh, the game on defense has diminished so much because defensive players have been allowed to do less and less and less and less as the years have gone on. You know, back 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 when Montana, you know, and Elway, you know, and Marino played, it was just it, 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 the, the defensive backs could pretty much pull a guy down to the ground, you know, and and a flag wouldn't be called. Whereas now, you know, you breathe on a, a DB. It's just it's it's a different game. It, it truly is, you know, but but he but he's still 
within the context of the game, he's went out there and found ways to win and get to the championship and win it time after time after time. So he definitely, he definitely is is in my top three. You know, I'd have to say. But you know, looking at the intangibles of the game, if Joe Montana played in an era of the day where receivers are allowed to get the biggest cushion in the world and guys aren't allowed to be get hit, he'd be doing the exact same thing. Montana, in a day and age of it being a tough sport and guys being able to knock your head off, went four and zero in Super Bowls. Yeah. So, it says a lot. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, you talk about the defense not being able to, you know, touch you anymore and and really get after you. That is something that's, you know, it's 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 a lost art in the game, you know, and that's why I brought up the Barry Church side of it is that, you know, obviously you don't want to rip a guy's head off. Obviously, you don't want to maim anybody. You don't want somebody to have, you know, problems for the rest of your of their lives. At the same time, you want the game to still be physical. What would the game have been, you know, back in the day? Would we know Julius Randle's name? Would we know Bruce Smith's name? Would we know LT's name? Would we know any of these guys' names? I mean, Brian Dawkins, for God's sakes, and what he did with Philadelphia. Would we know any of these people if they were playing today? And the answer is probably maybe. But, you know, I mean, outside of Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue and in front of these guys, you know, and some of these guys, Calais Campbell and whatnot, you know, it, it's not what it used to be by any stretch of the imagination. When Aaron Donald threw down Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, everybody's like, oh, wow, he got away with one. You know, you should have been called for that. Back in the day, they could have done 10 times worse. You weren't going to get called for anything. The official kind of looked at you like, well, you're the quarterback. You should have gotten out of his way. So, you know, I mean, the physicality has been taken out of college basketball. It's been taken out of the NFL. And, you know, again, we don't want to see anybody get hurt. You played the game. At the same time, defensive players, how do they make their hay anymore when they're not allowed to hit you? I mean, like, like I said, I remember back when I, when I first got into the NFL, one of the most exciting things, we could, you could rent a video or you buy a video called NFL's Greatest Hits. Yeah. It doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't, the NFL doesn't promote it, and they've gotten away from it because of all the concussion issues and things of that nature, and, it, and, it, and it's toned down the game a lot. So now these receivers and the quarterback know that it's to their advantage because if they get hit, they're going to get a 15-yard penalty, you know? So it's changed. It's definitely changed. Speaking here with Rob Drummond, Syracuse NFL and CFL alum here this morning on the Super Bowl 53 as well as the Patriots legacy and whatnot. Uh, Rob, i got to ask you about this because I've aired the video. It was one of the uh, funniest things I've ever done in studio, I would say, in 16 years. It was one of my – it was a very proud moment. And that was the moment that I shouldn't say a proud. It was a funny moment. I don't. I don't know if I want to call this a proud moment because of because of the awkwardness of it all. But the video in in which Tom Brady seems to passionately kiss his twelve year old son. I, I don't know if you've gotten the opportunity to to see this video, but you know, I mean. Tom Brady is a lot of things. He buys male Uggs for his team when when they win. You know, he's got that smirk that everybody wants to to smack off his face because he finds a way to to get it done. He obviously is clutch when it comes into game time situations and late game situations. But he also kisses his child way too long. Did you see the video? I have not seen the video. Okay. Well, it's uh, it's his son coming in, and he kisses him on the mouth, and then he says that's not good enough, and then he long kisses him on the mouth. You have two boys. I I I don't have children yet. I don't I don't anticipate that I will kiss them on the mouth like this, though. 
<laughs> no, I've never kissed my children on the mouth. I, I love my kids with all my heart, but no, I mean, so I mean, hey, to each his own. You know, it's not me. He's an interesting character, though. He's an interesting bird, and you know, looking at the interesting kind of relationships and the interesting, you know, we have Bob. Kraft. Last year it was Bob Kraft likes Tom Brady, but Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are fighting, and Bob Kraft, you know, didn't want to keep Jimmy Garoppolo, but Bill Belichick did. We hear every single year. All this drama, right? And I bring up the story about him kissing his son because that's there's always like there's things that take you away, right? There's 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 shadow shadow movement, so to speak. What's Tom doing off the field? What about this with Tom? Oh, Tom's got a gash on his thumb. Oh, Bob Kraft's fighting with Bill Belichick. Oh, Rob Gronkowski's going to retire and do movies now. There's always stories in the background that I to this day believe that the Patriots actually plant themselves and put out there themselves because. They never end up being true, or if they are, they don't matter. What do you think about all that? You know, this year, the Patriots can't make it. Tom Brady's getting too old. They don't look the same. Every single season, we hear about the drama of the Patriots, yet they win games with such ease sometimes that it's hard for me to believe that any of the stuff is true that we're hearing. I mean, it's psychological warfare, you know, and, and Belichick is a master of it. That and his division stinks, you know. <laughs> that yeah. <helps> a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you get to play the Jets and the Dolphins and the Bills all the time, I, <laughs> you should win the division and win that. You know, but all kidding aside, you know, it's, it's 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 psychological warfare, and the Patriots and Belichick are great at it. That coming from Rob Drummond here this morning, Rob. I, another question that I asked is 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 now I don't believe this to be true. This was not even a thought on my mind until somebody had said it coming off of the game right after the game ended. And that was that Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer. I I heard that. I'm asking you the question. Uh, On Facebook and Twitter, we put up the polls. Thank you for your responses. The majority of people, 88% of you on Facebook said no. And on Twitter, it's kind of uh, split. It's very close. I think it's 52%, 48% still that say no, but it is very close. What do you think about the story of the, of Julian Edelman? I mean, I said he had a different name a few years ago. It was Wes Welker. Uh, what's where does he stand in all of this? Because he's one of seven receivers to ever get Super Bowl MVP, and he's one of four players in the history of the Super Bowl to get MVP without scoring a touchdown. And they want to start this discussion that he's a Hall of Famer. What do you think? Yeah, uh, do you remember the name Timmy Smith? Yes. Uh, you know he was a Super Bowl MVP? No, I, <laughs> I did not. I actually forgot about that. Yeah, so winning the MVP, I mean, I mean, like, I mean although albeit all, all a great accomplishment, means absolutely nothing. You know, it's just you on that particular day, at a particular stage in time, you had a great game. You know, as far as Edelman being a Hall of Famer, no, not right now. His body of work and what he does through the course of the year and, and, and how he changes the game, you know, consistently, you know, it, it, it's just not enough. Teams don't game plan. It really stopped Julian Edelman, you know, so he can go out there and have a great game. If James game planned him, they would have double teamed him. You know, I mean, he doesn't draw double coverage. That's why they single single cover the entire game. Well, Hall of Famers draw double teams, you know, and, and change the complexity of a game. And right now, the by his body of work just doesn't have him being a Hall of Famer. If he keeps up, you know, being the player that he is right now, there's a chance and uh, of him being a a, a, a game breaker, breaking a game open type player. But right now, he's just not that type of player. Yeah, and you said, and I want to correct myself here. You said Timmy Smith. I'm thinking of Jimmy Smith in Jacksonville. I, I did not remember Timmy Smith. So and running back for the running back for the Redskins. <laughs> yeah, number thirty six because he won monster he, game. 
And but that's that's the thing, you know. We we talk about you look at some of these guys like you know <clears throat> your Dion Branches and and whatnot that won these awards. I mean, you know Desmond Howard for what he did with the Green Bay Packers. But you know it, it does it kind of fades away. I want to talk about the offensive and defensive side of it though. I want to talk about the Patriots' offensive line, and I want to talk about the Patriots' entire defense. The offensive line doesn't get any accolades. The defense is has been said for years and years and years is not that good, but they always get better as the season goes on. They're always their best in the playoffs, and the offensive line took the Los Angeles Rams, Dante Fowler Jr. and Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue and embarrassed the hell out of them. So, what do you think about the trenches first and foremost for the Patriots, the offensive and defensive line? We'll start there because. Again, that's where championships are won. These guys don't get talked about hardly ever, yet they outmuscled, outmanned, and just, I mean, they purely outplayed the Rams in the game. They, did, they, they outsmarted them. I mean, if you, if, you, if you take, I mean, take a second and think back to the game. And I, and I said that to a few people who I was watching the game with. You know what, what, what Belichick did, which was absolutely genius, was he knew. I mean, he knew that, the, you know, that the, that the Rams knew that, you know, they were going to double, you know. Double um, Donaldson, you know. So, uh, so, so, what do you do? You know, so you know. So at that point, Dominic and Sue's like, I'm going to be free. You know, so Dominic and Dominic and Sue's, he's going to be free, or he's going to be one on one, and he's a dominant player. So trap him. So don't block him as hard as you can. Let him get penetration, and just send a guard or send a tackle to come across the line and trap him out. And all game long, it looked like and Dominic and Sue was getting great penetration. No, they wanted him to be that far up the field. Because all they did was take an offensive lineman and just, just trap him out. I was like, that's absolutely genius. Because the Rams couldn't figure out what they were doing. It looked like these guys were getting great penetration. penetration but if you notice, the running backs were right by these guys. <laughs> I mean, that was that's 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 genius. It takes a smart coach to sit there and, and think of the mindset of what not only are what we're going to do, but the mindset of what they're thinking. Because they're thinking that we're going to uh, double team our, our best defensive line, the best defensive player in the game today, which they did. But these other guys are thinking we're going to have free free room to run, but you're not. We're going to take you run yourself right out of the play. So all they did was let those guys run themselves out of the play. And I, I thought to myself, you know, what a genius, you know, genius move by Belichick on offense to know what they're going to do, you know. And that's what makes him Bill Belichick. But that's the thing is, I just I feel like he just I, I don't think this man sleeps. You know, they talk about he outsmarts everybody. He does because you know you look at what's what's been out there. And I mean, it has been absolutely, I mean, it's insane to see what he is capable of doing because, you know, I used to joke that Peyton Manning, you know, only watched, that's what he did. He just watched film for a living. You know, he played football and he watched film, but Bill Belichick, he knows your every move. And the thing about it is the Patriots are never, ever, ever, not even the slightest, out of any games that no. that they play in, and I think that even that's even last year's even last year's Super Bowl, they were in the game until the last play. <laughs> yeah, and that and that's the thing is, it's like even the games that they lose, they lose these games, but they lose them in the last seconds, they lose them in the in the final moments, they lose them, you know, off of. I mean, you got to play a near perfect game every time you play the Patriots, and that just says a lot about Bill Belichick. If you're going to beat him, it's like the end of a video game. If you're going to take down the big bad at the end of the game, you have to do everything right the entire time, and even then, you still might lose. 
Yeah, Bill Belichick is a, is a, is a, is a, a great mind of the game. I mean, it's a, if more folks start like him, it'd be, this game would be much more, a, a much, much better game to watch. You know, and one, one more telling thing I can tell you about the game that I saw: the body language of Gurley. Yeah, there's there's trouble in paradise. And I wanted to, and I wanted to get to that point. Ironically, so smart minds here. Speaking here with Rob Drummond, a good friend and a great friend, and obviously Syracuse NFL and CFL alum. Rob, Todd Gurley, after the game, I read the quotes yesterday. Uh, Sean McVay says, I should have made better decisions. I you know, I, I, I should have tried to work it in. We were trying to get first downs. We were trying to do this, and I got caught up in it, whatever, whatever. You know, So we have his thoughts on it that make no sense. And then we have Jared Goff saying, I wanted to get Todd Gurley the ball, but I don't make those decisions. And then we got Gurley saying, no, I felt fine. I just had to wait my turn. None of this makes any sense. He is arguably the best running back in the country. If not, he's in the top three. They just paid him the highest of any running back out there in America. And so you have your ringer, you have your guy, you have the person that makes you tick on offense, defense, or special teams. He is the best player on your team. And he was sitting there watching the game the majority of the time from the sidelines. What are your thoughts? I mean, I just, I, as being a running back in that situation and just looking at his body language and expressions on his face, he was not happy. And, it, 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 and it's a that's a fact of here I am, one of the most talented, if not the most talented you know, player in the NFL in my position, and I'm not being used in the biggest stage of the year. It makes you feel like, why am I even here? Well, right. I mean, this, this team has no plans for me. Plus, I mean, the coaches and the your quarterbacks can say whatever they want. You know, I, 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 I saw CJ in the game at some time when Gurley should have been in there, and I'm like, wow. You know, it's it, this is like that's it, it's insulting. I mean, to, to 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 I mean, to your pride as a player, to what you've done all year, to what this team means to you. You know, you just gave me all this money, but you have me sitting here watching behind a guy who, granted, he's a talented player, but not better than me. So it's going to be an interesting offseason to see what happens with him because I know from his body language and being on, his, on the biggest stage of the year, which he may not get back next year, how tough it is to get, to not, to not be appreciated. And that's what, and I, and I, from his body language, that's what I, he, he didn't feel appreciated. But, you know, what, I mean, okay, Sean McVay is same age as me, right? He's 33 years old. He's, he's a young coach. He's, he's exactly half the age of Bill Belichick, who's 66. But, to say, you know, I was I was supposed to. I said I said if you wake, you could be the dumbest coach in the world, which obviously you're not if you make it to the Super Bowl. But you could be the dumbest person in the world. You could be the most ignorant, irrational, naive, illogical human being. But when you have Todd Gurley, you wake up in the morning, you put a post-it note on your head that says, "Play Todd Gurley." Doesn't matter. I mean, like, like it's, 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 it's as if you said you could be clueless and so caught up in the game. All right, what's the objective? The score points, right? Yeah. I, Biggest asset of scoring points the entire year has been my running back. <laughs> what? So you just forget about that? No. It's, a, it's more, more, more to it than than it, I, I think that that's that. It's just more to it in my mind than, than what's really being said. And Gurley knows that. And but that's I mean that is literally what makes absolutely positively no sense to me. Is I agree. is that it's it's Todd Gurley? Okay, we're talking yeah. about Todd. Gurley. We're not talking yeah. about C.J. Spiller. We're not talking about, uh, uh, you know, I, I forgot to put whoever out there, you know, Jay Ajayi. I mean, I forgot to put T.J. Yeldon out there. I mean, it wasn't, what, it wasn't even the fact that, I mean, like he was in the game not getting the ball. He was on the sideline. <laughs> yeah, watching. 
watching. <laughs> so I mean, no. I, 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 and again, you know, I, I want to believe that there's that there was, you know. That, that there's some reason that makes sense, but at the end of the game, you know, you're hearing from the coaching staff, you're hearing from the quarterback, and you're hearing from Todd Gurley, no, everything was status quo, everything was good, I'm good, I'm healthy, I'm well, they just, you know, didn't put me out there because we were scheming. What Scheming what? It's Todd Gurley. It's- even if you're going, in, if you're going <laughs> at halftime, you realize you've got three points. Okay, we need points. Who scored the most points for us all, all, all year? Todd Gurley. <laughs> we yeah. got to find a way to keep him in the game and get... The same thing. Did not get him a ball. T.J. Anderson was in there more than Todd Gurley. And I'm like, wow. That's uh, and again, you know, I mean, you're a former running back. I mean, you're you're somebody who you know helped Syracuse tick, and you you did a lot. You found longevity inside of the NFL. You you were successful, and you know, a champion inside of the CFL. I just can't wrap my head, or no matter how hard I try to make this make sense, I can't make sense of. You know, Rob, it's it's like you it's like me telling you that I'm going to do a live show somewhere in Syracuse today, but I'm not going to bring my microphone. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally the thing that you need. You take the heart out of the team, you take the drive out of the team, you take the guts out of the team. You have skilled players. You have guys that can get it done. You have players all over the field, but you have Todd Gurley. That's like the Cowboys going, you know what? We're not going to run Emmett Smith in the Super Bowl. It, it just it, it doesn't make any logical sense. And for Sean McVay to say, I was out coached, if you forgot about Todd Gurley, maybe you should do something else for a living. I mean, I, I just I I don't I don't get the whole the sidelines and then they kept going to the field reporter and they're going down to the field and they're like, you know, Todd Gurley, uh, they said it's not his knee and he is okay and it's. I mean, you want to scream conspiracy? I mean, the the amount of confusion that that you get. I mean, what when you're watching the game live? What was going through your head just watching him with his mouthpiece and his helmet on, just staring at the game? I, I mean, I've, I've been in situations before where, where I've watched games like that, knowing I'm the most talented player, saying to myself, "What is going on? You know, did I do something? Do they think I'm hurt? Do they? You know what? And it was, but plus, it's a, it's it's the Super Bowl. It's not a regular season game. It's not a play. It's, it's the Super Bowl, the biggest stage and the biggest game of all those players' lives. Right. And, yeah, they're, they're, and, the, and the most talented player, one of the, the most talented players for that team on that field was not being used. It's got to be the most frustrating thing in the world. And, you know, you, and, it, and, it, and it's going to bother It's going to bother him the, the entire offseason. Well, how about this, Rob? How easy is it to get back to the Super Bowl? It's very hard. <laughs> you know, unless, you, unless you're Bill Belichick. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, 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 it's very, very difficult, you know, and it's, it's got to be frustrating for him. You know? so, so if you're Todd Gurley, you've watched the Super Bowl growing up, you watched the Super Bowl when you were in college, and you've watched the Super Bowl the entire time you've been in the NFL. Now you're at the Super Bowl, and you might as well have been sitting at home with popcorn. Why do you even show up? He was, he was so he was so utterly utilized that game that I mean there were so many so many mistakes in that game. I mean that uh, that, that that the Rams made and I mean like and I, I said to my cousin during the time well, as soon as I saw as soon as I saw Edelman you know catch his third pass I said to myself it's like you know what Brady's not having a, having a great game you know first first play was an interception you know then uh, next uh, a few passes here then, then a couple passes to Edelman I was like all right Edelman Edelman's gonna have a hot game. Double team him, take him out of the game, make him go to somebody else because he's not having a, having a great game. Nope. Sure enough, you know the Rams sat there and tried to single cover him, single cover him, single cover him, and he ate him alive. I was like, 
this guy is getting big first downs and giving keeping the Patriots with momentum where, where the Rams aren't doing anything but can do something on defense, and they never allowed it to happen. They single-covered that man all game long, and look what happened, the MVP. I would have taken Julian Edelman out of the game in that first into the first, second quarter, and been like, and just and said to myself as a defense coordinator, "You're gonna be, you might beat me, but you're gonna do it with somebody else. Whether it be Gronk, whether it be your running backs, whether it be an outside receiver, whoever it may be, but somebody else is gonna beat me. This guy is gonna get off because he's hot right now. It didn't take the hot player out of the game, and that's what that's what that's what a good coach does, you know. But as you said, you know, McVay is now he's he's a young coach. He'll learn that. He'll understand that as he gets goes along. But that's what you need to do when a player's hot. Take him out of the game. And it's easy to do, especially for slot receivers. All you got to do is what's called the banjo coverage. It's inside-outside coverage. A guy outside covers him outside. A guy inside covers him inside. You can take him out of the game. I mean, someone like Brady could probably make a good read and go somebody else like Gronk or one of the outside receivers, but they never, you know, they never forced him to do it. Well, Rob, you know, Sean McVay saw a great player and did take him out of the game. Todd Gurley. Yeah, he did. <laughs> well... <laughs> Three points, <laughs> second-highest scoring offense in, uh, in, in, in the league. Says a lot. Because of Todd Gurley. And we look at we look at where we're at right now. Uh, Todd Gurley signed a four-year contract worth $57.5 million, including $45 million guaranteed, uh, a story that just came out this morning because it continues to be that there was nothing wrong with, with Todd Gurley. So now the question is, you know, you're going to have to – let him go. If you don't, if you don't use him, you lose him, so to speak. Is is where we're sitting at this point. Have you ever heard of such a thing in the NFL where we have, you know, the arguable best running back in the nation play in the Super, fail to play in the Super Bowl when his team is in the Super Bowl after signing a contract that's forty five million dollars guaranteed and almost sixty million dollars overall, the highest paid running back in the NFL, and then after the Super Bowl, see him leave. I mean, I, I feel like this would be un, un, uncharted territory. You know what? You know what's funny? That's what I thought when I saw his body language and I thought I saw his facial expression. His his facial expression looked like he's like you know, in the biggest game, biggest game, biggest stage of the career of this of this team. I'm not even being used. Let me go to someplace else. Some some other team is going to use me then. Yeah, J- the J- Jacksonville will make a phone call. Jacksonville yeah, can make a phone call. So so in Philly, you know, we'll take him in Philadelphia. <laughs> You know, so and and when I ask you about this, because you're obviously a, a Philadelphia uh, alum of of the Eagles, and you are close with you know the team that will always you know you always bleed green, so to speak, and you have Nick Foles and you have Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz can get it done. Nick Foles can get it done. Nick Foles kind of it's kind of almost like the the Philadelphia Eagles are the Phillies at times, where they have a really good pitcher, but they also have a great closer, and the closer being Nick Foles. Yes. Foles is out there. Jacksonville, you and I talked about this and, and agreed upon this. Jacksonville needs a quarterback. Nick Foles is a proven quarterback. And it would make some sense to make a little move here between Philadelphia and Jacksonville. What do you think about the future of Nick Foles? And as a former Philly player and a Philly fan, what do you think about what he's done for the city? Uh, I think he's uh, he's done... Uh, amazing thing we're winning the Super Bowl for the city you know like my hat's off to him you know stayed in the system that he was comfortable with you know and and, and he was a backup for a while but now he wants to be a starter which I have no problem with it but right now this, this the starting job is is Carson Wentz you know he's the future of this team you know and, and as you said I'd always thought you know a trade you know I mean it, because I see Leonard Fournette on his way out in Jacksonville but I think Leonard Fournette is just a very very 
talented running back, you know, only in the second, third, third year, you know, and, and I think that it, it, there's more upside to him than what's being showcased by him wherever's going on with him in Jacksonville. So if we can some, somehow get a, a Nick Foles, Leonard Burnett, plus a, a, a few more picks or, or another draft pick late, later on because of the value of the quarterback position, you know, I, I would love that trade, you know. You know, so it'll be interesting to see what happens this offseason as it starts now, you know. So right, right now I'm just getting set and getting ready for the combine invitees, hoping that a bunch of my Syracuse guys are on it. You know, so we'll see. Yeah, and we're in a situation right now. Now Chris Slayton, uh, Eric Dungy, uh, Kylan Whitner, Jamal Custis, when, when you and I were talking about this, they're all on the radar for this. I do want to get to a, a message here. I have one of the I, – I, I, I was going to say one of the – I mean, I want to take away from anybody, but as you know, uh, my mother is one of the greatest people in the world. She is not a Patriots fan. So she wrote in this morning, they suck. I can't read what she wrote after that. And then she, <laughs> then she put, boy, do I agree with Rob. Brady thinks he's the only one on the team. Then she said something else I can't repeat. And and uh, yeah, and then, I, and then she said something else I can't repeat. So yeah, so I, I basically, you know, reading my mom's message this morning while listening to the show is like reading Wu-Tang lyrics if I had to block them out. <laughs> so, so you know uh, you know she has her opinion but let's give her a shout out right now you know you know my mom she's one of the greatest oh, yeah. people out there yeah she's a sweetheart <laughs> she, she's a sweetheart with a mouth of a very very grizzled truck driver so <laughs> but uh but you know to go to the combine slayton whitner custis dungy their names are on the radar there's Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of names on the radar, but you know Chris Slayton, uh, he didn't get the appreciation he deserved. He was the anchor of the defensive line. He was the only consistency of the defensive line over the last few years. What are your thoughts on him making the combine? And and uh, you know, in a year where the quarterback isn't that deep, you know, could Dungy get a phone call? I mean, I I, I think. Uh, I mean, uh, Slayton is a is a given. I mean, with his size, his speed, his explosiveness, his, you know, he, he's just his strength. You know, it, it's just a given where uh, he could be an inter- interior force. You know, surrounded by uh, other talented guys. You know, so it, it'll be interesting to see. You know, what what uh, what these NFL execs, you know, and, and these uh, and these scouts, you know, uh, do as, as far as uh, giving uh, passing out the, the invitees. You know, that, that's what I've been. Waiting for the last two weeks to find out who's going, who's going, who's going. You know, I'm thinking I'm more nervous than these guys waiting to try and find out who goes because it gives you a chance to be really go out there and showcase your athleticism and, um, and ability. Granted, they'll have a pro day where the scouts will come to Syracuse and watch them, but getting getting invited to the combine, you know, is, is just a a pat on the back or 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 or, or a job well done, you know, uh, for these guys. You know, it's really appreciate appreciative, you know, and and you're you know, and it's an honor. Yeah, you know, when we look when we look at kind of where things are at right now, you know, for for Syracuse as they move forward, you know, the combine is not is not something that Syracuse typically gets invited to, which you know, which is which is sad, you know, and it's it's a situation to showcase yourself, but we don't see it with the Syracuse players enough. You know, what can you say about the guys, you know, making it to the NFL because. Even when Syracuse had bad teams and struggling teams and, and whatnot of old under Pascaloni, they still got plenty of looks. They got into the NFL. They became captains. But in the case of recent history, you know, the, the Steve Ishmaels and the Irv Phillips and, 
you know, there, there's a lot of forgotten men out there. And for goodness sake, Zaire Franklin was a seventh round draft pick, almost went undrafted. He made the 53-man roster. I knew that he would because I know the type of guy he is. I know the type of player he is. But, you know, what are your thoughts on the fact that even when Syracuse was bad, the players were getting into the NFL, and now it just seems more often than not Syracuse doesn't get a lot of looks when it comes to the combine or when it comes to the draft? I mean, I, 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 I don't know what coaches are looking for, you know, but all I can say is as a, as a former player, all you, all, you really have to, all you really can do is just go out there and, you know, do your best. You know, it's not as if these guys are out there to try and, you know, make themselves look bad or make their team look bad. You know, they love Syracuse University and they love playing the sport of football. You know, so as I said before, the combine is just a big honor. I remember I got my invite, you know, my invite team. I was like, are you making a mistake? Are you sure? You know, but then I, I mean, I was I was honored, you know, so I went I prepared for it. Just went out there and had, you know, and did the best I could. You know, they got me drafted in the third round, you know, so it's not getting invited to the combine. You know, it, you know, it, it, it sticks with you, you know, and, it, and it's a slap in the face, you know, but it's not the end of the end of the world. You know, you can still go out there and impress these scouts and show them that, you know, you know, I'm talented enough to be here. You know, and just just give me a chance. All somebody, a lot of these guys need is just a chance to prove themselves. That coming from Rob Drummond, Syracuse, CFL and NFL alum. Rob, in closing here, your thoughts on the halftime show. It seemed pretty mellow. It seemed pretty quiet. And. When you get Big Boy or Andre 3000, who as people know that are fans of Outcast, do almost no touring anymore and are never together anymore, they're like, I mean, they could charge whatever they want to charge because they never do tours. They, I mean, the last time I think Outcast did a tour was, was over five years ago because I remember they went down to Orlando. So what were your thoughts on the halftime show? I like Maroon 5. I respect Maroon 5. I like Travis Scott. And I'm a big fan of Big Boy, but Big Boy's intro in the car was longer than his time on the stage. Uh, yeah, and, and I thought I, I, I thought people were going to help him because it looked like he was getting attacked by a grizzly or something. I'm expecting to see teeth in that coat. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna say to you that. Uh, you know, it looked like it looked like he was, you know, maybe a, a native Central New Yorker with that coat on. Uh, yeah, that was that was funny, but it, it was it was. Uh, I mean, I've seen better halftime shows, you know, over the years, you know. But I do I do like Maroon Five, you know. I mean, I like a lot of Outkast music and Travis Travis Scott also. But I I think it could have been done a little better. But hey, what do I know? I'm just you know I'm just a participant, like everybody else, viewer watching it, you know, and just trying to enjoy a good show. But I mean, you got Hot Lana, okay? You know, how do you not? Yeah. And you have you have a show, you have an FX show about Atlanta, with childish gambino you know i mean i know obviously that's not his that's not his name name but that's his stage name but it's like how does he not show up when you're in atlanta there's just i mean i feel like atlanta's got a lot of music that that went unheard in this super bowl i think you could have done an ensemble that could have been a ton of different people let's be careful that because next year i think the super bowl's in miami yeah they didn't go get two live crew then because two live crew was big down there years ago so definitely they have to bleep out a lot of stuff for them well, listen, or they could just get my mom and have Wu-Tang. I mean, it could it could all work out. <laughs> Wu-Tang's from New York City, though. No, I know, but I, I wanted to shamelessly plug the fact that my mom's mouth this morning was very, very... I can't read any of it. I can read none of it. <laughs> so I'll read it to you off the air, but I can't read it on the air. But uh, as always, Rob, I appreciate it. I hope that your car will treat you better for the rest of the day, and I look forward to talking with you soon. 
All right, Dan. Take it easy. All right, man. Take care. All right. That coming from Rob Drummond once again here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. Having some fun this morning, folks. We always have some fun. Always having a good time. Let's take a step aside for a fast break. We're in the second hour of the show. We talk about the Super Bowl. We talked about the fact that my mother would never be able to have a radio show on traditional radio because the FCC would fine her. You know, it's $350,000 for this what it used to be. Maybe it's more now. It's $350,000. If you drop one F bomb on traditional radio, if you drop, if you're on traditional radio and you in the middle of your show, like, you know, F this, that's $350,000. There is no FCC on the internet. So I like that. I hope it stays that way. <laughs> so we are a family show. We don't swear. You know, we don't talk about this stuff. But uh, you, you got to be uh, you got to be carefree here. And uh, I'm getting some more messages coming through. So I'll check these as we go on to a fast break. But when we get into the second hour of the show, I'll talk with you about. Uh, yeah, my mother just responded. I would be broke. So and for those of you that are like, oh, my God, Dan, your mom. Lis-. Yeah, my mom listens to the show because I have a supportive, loving mother and people that make fun of people that have mothers who support them probably don't have mothers who support them. So shout out to my mom, the greatest woman ever made besides G mama. How about that, folks? G mama, mom, Lily. Those are the ladies. Those are the ones in my life and they're the greatest. So shout out to them and to the comedy that my mom brings to my mornings, my afternoons, and my nights. Thank you, mom. I appreciate it so very much. I wouldn't change a thing about her. The only thing is, you know, my mom's like, ah, oh, when I get older, I can say what I want. She already says what she wants, folks. Okay. We're already in the danger zone. I'm already the guy that's like, oh, they're like, did your mom? No, no, that wasn't her. No, ma, you can't say that. You know, and everybody knows my mom's personality. So they know she's going to say whatever she wants. That's how my grandmother was. My grandmother looked at my mom one day. She said something off the cuff, and my mom goes, Ma, you can't say that. And she goes, Debbie, how old am I? My mom says, you're 91, Ma. She goes, well, I've lived long enough to say whatever the hell I want to say. My mom looked at me and said, she's been saying whatever the hell she wants to say her whole life. And that's what my mom does. But you know what? I respect my mom for being who she is and for being a person that's not afraid to speak their mind. So God bless you, Mom. I love you. I can't read half the stuff you wrote this morning about the Patriots, but thank you for your thoughts. 